Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Great to have you with us. And, of course, we are coming down the home stretch. Ten games to go starting Thursday in Toronto as the Cavs have a huge game against the Raptors. And Jim Jones, that ties in with one of our guests on this week's program. We'll hear from Alvin Williams, the color commentator for the Toronto Raptors on their TV broadcast. And also with the Cavs Wall of Honor this Saturday, we're going to go back and listen to an interview that we did with one of the inductees this Saturday, Lenny Wilkins. You know, Alvin Williams is a, a fantastic young talent. He was on the floor, you know, when he played. But in the announcing booth, he's one of the young talents in our league. And his insights are going to be a, a lot of fun for our fans to listen to. And, of course, the old coach, Lenny Wilkins, uh, it'll be great to hear his voice again. And well-deserved, the winningest coach in Cavs history. Yep, you uh, you arranged in, an interview back in November of 2020. So we thought... With Lenny going into the Wall of Honor this Saturday, it would be fun to go back and listen to that interview from November of 2020 with Lenny Wilkins. So a full show ahead. We'll start things off uh, with that interview with Lenny Wilkins, and then later on in the show, we'll hear from Alvin Williams. So stay with us. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Glad to bring it to you on the Cavaliers Radio Network. And we welcome you back. It's Cavs HQ, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And, boy, our guest this week settling into the Legends chair, as we call it, is certainly one of the all-time legends, not just here with the Cavaliers, but in the NBA. I think if I went through all of his accolades, it would take up the entire interview. But let's just say real quickly, uh, Three times in the NBA Hall of Fame as a player, 
15-year career, nine-time All-Star. As a coach, over 1,300 wins, 332 to be exact. That's number three on the all-time list. And, of course, seven of those years with the Cavaliers. He also won a world championship in Seattle and in the NBA a third time as a member and assistant coach of the 92 Dream Team, that gold medal team. Yes, we're speaking of Lenny Wilkins. Lenny, we are honored and thrilled to have you in that Legends chair. Uh, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the conversation with yours truly and Jim Jones. Well, thank you for having me here. It's, it's a real pleasure. Well, it's great to have you. So I don't even know where to start. Uh, but when you look back, uh, both as a player and a coach, do you more often look at one side than the other? Well, you know, I was uh, very fortunate in both areas. Uh, certainly, I enjoyed being a player during those years. And, uh, and then to uh, be able to coach and have success with it, uh, certainly that had to make me feel pretty good, too. I read through your resume, your accolades, but, boy, is there anything that you go, if I could have just done one more thing, is there anything that you go, man, if I could have just gotten over that hurdle? Well, I, I do tease Don Nelson. You see, uh, Don Nelson, uh, his career was over, but the Golden State, they kept him there so that he could break my record. <laughs> and so I tease no, really, him. Really, yeah, we, really. We were a couple of years ago back at the Hall of Fame, and we were being interviewed. And I told Don that I was going to come back for three games. <laughs> <laughs> the ultra-competitor you still are, right, Coach? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know, Coach, uh, first of all, I want to thank you. You know, during my course of my commentary on radio, I use a lot of stuff. But Tommy Heinsohn was one of the people that I talked to religiously every time we went to Boston because of the knowledge he had in his head. And the time that you and I spent in Cleveland at dinner with our wives and just sitting around talking, you don't know how that gave me a really different perspective on uh, basketball and life, period. And uh, I know you do work still for the league, you know, talking and, and public speaking and stuff, but I've got a couple of questions that run together. What would you tell young coaches today or aspiring young coaches? Well, I would tell young coaches, first of all, you want to be consistent, okay? You don't want to say one thing and do something different. Uh, so the, the consistency helps. And the other thing is, I would tell them that, uh, you know, uh, help the players to understand the game. Uh, if you do, then it's easier for them. You were also a player coach. Now, those days are long gone by. But how did that experience help you when you then put the suit and tie on and became the head coach just sitting in the chair? How did that player coach experience benefit you? Well, it, it was a great experience. And when I became a player coach, uh, I remember there was a coach at the University of Washington named Marv Harshman. Marv and I became good friends. And I had asked him to come watch one of my practices 
and tell me what I need to know. And so when practice was over, he said that uh, when you're out there, you got to be the player. And hmm. when you're off the court, then be the coach. Hmm. You know, but you have to separate yeah. them. And hmm. it made sense, you know, because uh, I felt like if I know what to do, then do it. You know, Coach, uh, great stuff. You know, uh, when you talk about what players have led to have been trailblazers in our league, I look at Bill Russell, won a championship as a coach, black, of course. Uh, Al Adels won at Golden State with a bunch of young kids. And then Lenny Wilkins, when uh, your years in Seattle. Can you just give us some idea, what was it like as far as the pressures and dealing with players of different backgrounds? I mean, what does it take today to do that, Coach? Well, I'll tell you this, Jim. I don't think you could ever be a player coach again. Uh, because, you know, you have to also make sure that you're ready to play. Mm-hmm. And today, these kids come out of college early. They maybe have one year of college. Uh, some don't have any. And the thing is, is that they don't have that experience. So you have to help them understand and learn the game. And and so I don't think a player coach uh, you, that you could do justice to your game and also preparing your team. So so a player coach era is over. You know, yeah, we did it for a little bit, but uh, I don't think that I could do it today. Yeah. Well, coach, look at I, I want to throw another one in there because I think people need to understand. That, where you came from, you know, you came from Brooklyn, you know, you grew up in the Bedford Stuy area. What was that like? (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, that's where I lived. That's where I grew up. (laughs) It it was a tough neighborhood, but we were street kids. Yes. And uh, I was a kid who, uh, my dad died when I was five. Hmm. So my mother was pretty tough on us. And, uh, you know, being a kid that hung out on the playgrounds, I played baseball, basketball, uh, I played stoop ball, handball, you, you name it. But the fact that I was uh, an athlete, the gangsters didn't bother me. In, in fact, most of them were my cousin. <laughs> but the best thing that ever happened was two things. The priest in my parish was like a big brother. My mother, if, if she didn't like who I was hanging out with, she would talk to him. So he would talk to me. But also, uh, I met Jackie Robinson, and and I was a huge baseball fan at that time. And uh, so Jackie became my role model. Oh, I mean, this guy was a fierce competitor. Uh, he was a man on the field and off the field. You know, uh, and played with intelligence, yes. you know, fierceness and intelligence. And yes. I was so impressed with him and the Dodgers. And I got to know all of them, Campanella, you know, uh, Pee Wee Reese, Gil Hodges, yes. uh, you know, Junior Gilliam, you, you, you name them. I, I knew them, Duke Snyder, 
Carl Ferrillo, uh, Don well, Newcomb. Well, well, Coach, let me ask a question. At that time, didn't didn't they live in your neighborhoods? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. That's yeah. Great. I used to go to Ebbets Field all the time, and uh, we could take the train there, and we got in the bleachers for fifty cents. <laughs> awesome stories. Again, you're hearing from Lenny Wilkins, NBA Hall of Famer, former player, and coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's sitting in the Legends Chair. In this edition of Cavs HQ, we'll have more from Lenny Wilkins right after this. Welcome back to Cavs HQ with Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones, and we're honored to have sitting in the Legends chair, Lenny Wilkins, NBA Hall of Famer, of course, played here in Cleveland under head coach Bill Fitch as a player and then came back to the Cavaliers as the head coach when he teamed up with Wayne Embry and and Lenny that's where I want to start because in our previous segment Jim talked about the African-American coaches that came before you Bill Russell Al Adels of course John McClendon Earl Lloyd but you and Wayne Embry were the first duo as far as a GM coach that were both African-Americans that was really groundbreaking at the time to have a black GM and a black coach how cognizant were you and Wayne of that? In other words, as Jim asked you in the first segment, did maybe some additional pressure come with that? Well, you know, we didn't think much about it. Uh, we just knew that both of us understood the game and knew the game. Uh, Wayne was a great general manager. He uh, knew basketball. He played basketball. And uh, when uh, they invited me to come down and talk because they wanted to interview me, uh, and, and it was kind of interesting at the time because when I was traded to Cleveland, I didn't want to come uh, at first, <laughs> only because at that time they were considered uh, the cadavers, they used to call them. And uh, I was leaving a team that I thought would be in the playoffs. So I didn't want to come. But Nick Maletti and Bill Fitch came to Seattle to talk to me. And after we talked and everything, I decided, no, I wasn't ready to retire, that I wanted to play. So I came and I played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But uh, going back to Wayne, yeah, we we were the first really duo. And uh, it might have been pressure. Uh, I'm sure Wayne felt it more than I did. But... uh, when you're coaching and you're actually out there involved and everything, you don't think that much about it. So you inherit, per se, this incredibly young team of Brad Doherty, Ron Harper, Mark Price, Hot Rod Williams, all these rookie players. Yeah. What was that like? And and the second part of my two-part question, Lenny, would be, does this current Cavs team with all these young players, are there similarities there? Well, I'll tell you, there may be, and uh, at the time, we knew we were young, but we knew we were going to be better, and I truly believe that. Uh, I remember my first year there, and we had uh, all these rookies. (laughs) I think we might have had one or two veterans, and and, uh, every time we stepped on the floor, we knew it was going to be an experience for us, but... We did finish 41-41 my first year. And, and I said, just watch us the next year. 
And the next year we did. We took off. The young kids like Brad Doherty, Mark Price, you know, Ron Harper, uh, Dwight Davis, all these guys started to blossom because they were very coachable. They, they wanted to be better. And, and I told them that uh, we're going we're gonna to defend. We're not letting anybody just step on the floor against us. We're, we're going to go after every team we play. And, and, and I was so pleased at how well they developed. Another thing, Coach, I've always wondered, if I'm sitting there with Lenny Wilkins or Bill Russell or Al Adels watching a basketball game, I've always wanted to ask you guys, what are you looking at and what are you watching? Like when you watch today's game, what are you looking at, Coach, when you watch these players run up and down the floor, situations come up or whatever? Well, when I look at the floor, I mean, I'm looking at that whole floor and I'm not just seeing one thing. I'm trying to see what's happening, what's developing, what, what's there that we could take advantage of. And, uh, and then I tell my players that. A lot of times if I take a player out of the game, he comes over to the bench and we talk and I tell him what I see so that when he goes back out there, I'm hoping that he'll see some of the same things. Lenny, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, I mentioned that you're in the NBA Hall of Fame as part of the 92 Dream Team. And somebody asked me the other day, about how the guys in the NBA competed down in the bubble without fans. And I referenced the 92 Dream Team when Chuck Daly said, you guys are just going to go five on five. Perhaps the greatest game ever played that nobody ever saw. But just talk (laughs) about the competitive level of that game when the Dream Team just went five on five in the gym. From what I hear, it's legendary. Yeah, uh, our practices were better than some of the games. Because, <laughs> you know, the, the players, we talked to them. And, and I remember I used to say to them all the time, if you think you're the world's best, why don't we show the world that? Okay? When we go out there, let's challenge one another. Let's make one another better. And they responded. They loved that. Magic loved it, you know, Charles Barkley loved it, Carl Malone, all the guys. Uh, they wanted to compete, and they were not going to give each other quarter. That's how much they respected one another. Right. So every time we stepped on the floor, uh, it was a challenge. And sometimes we had to cut the practices short so nobody would get hurt. <laughs> But I'm sure you still vividly recall that five-on-five five when Chuck rolled the ball out and said, you guys get after it for a game. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing, what happened was he was a little disappointed, Chuck, because we were, we gave them some time off. And then we met in Nice. Uh, the, you know, the, we flew to Nice, and the practice wasn't going that good. And Chuck was uh, upset, so I called Magic over, and I said to Magic, hey, you know, Coach isn't happy. And, you know, rather than be here all day, we need to get the competitive edge up a little bit. And Magic said, I'll take care of it. (laughs) And he started to razz Michael. And next thing you know, they got Michael's attention. (laughs) 
you know, because Michael was playing golf every morning. And they got his attention, and the game became so competitive that we had to stop it because Chuck was worried someone would get hurt. (laughs) That is great stuff. That is really cool. Now, Lenny, before we let you go, as we were talking before we rolled here, Joe Tate is a dear friend of mine, my mentor in the broadcast business. He told me many years ago about Lenny Wilkins and how he orders a milkshake. Now, you've got to share with our fans. Lenny, you've got to share with the fans. What's the deal with Lenny Wilkins when you order a milkshake? Well, you you know, when I was growing up in my neighborhood, there was a drugstore, and they had a fountainette there where they made milkshakes and malts and stuff like that. Right. And uh, so whenever I'd get a hot dog or something or a hamburger, uh, I'd want to get a milkshake. And they would make the milkshake. But a lot of times, if you don't say anything, they just pour the glass, and what's left in the container, they throw it out. And I said, hey, wait a minute. I want all of it. And Joe Tate (laughs) fell out. He didn't believe it. Uh, But I told him, I said, you know, I was used to that. And and I want all of it. (laughs) Lenny, the last time I ordered a smoothie, I did the same thing, and I thought of you when I did it. That's a true story. (laughs) I'm getting what's in the container as well. Hey, Hey, let me tell you, we had a great time. Joe Joe was just a wonderful person and a great broadcaster. But we love going out having shakes and a malt, malt, you know. (laughs) Something tell me. Joe didn't waste any of the shake either. All right. On that note, <laughs> Lenny, it has been a real honor and a privilege to have you in the Legends chair. Uh, obviously, you're beloved here in the city of Cleveland and throughout the NBA. Yes. Congratulations yes. on your remarkable you. career. Well, thank yeah, you thank so you much. Coach. And uh, it was thank just a pleasure. Much. So many wonderful memories of Cleveland. And believe me, I, I loved the time that I was there. Awesome. Lenny Wilkins joining us on Cavs HQ. The Cavs have teamed up with the Greater Cleveland Food Bank for the 2022 Harvest for Hunger campaign presented by Trusted Sec. Fans can donate canned foods and non-perishable items during Cavs home games throughout the month of March. For more info, visit Cavs.com slash Harvest for Hunger. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ presented by Betway right after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back. It's Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. And again, we hope you enjoyed that look back and Hearing that conversation again with Lenny Wilkins. And, of course, Lenny, this Saturday, will be inducted into the Cavs Wall of Honor. And our guest now on Cavs HQ is a guy that played for Lenny Wilkins up in Toronto. He's now the color analyst on the Raptors television broadcast, Alvin Williams. Alvin, great to have you with us. I want to start things off, actually, though, by asking you about playing for Lenny Wilkins. He'll be inducted into the Cavs Wall of Honor this Saturday. And, of course, uh, you spent some time with Lenny after he left the Cavs. I spent some time in Toronto. What are your reflections and and recollections of playing for Lenny Wilkins? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Coach Wilkins, he 
he was a life changer for me, game changer, life changer, everything. And, you know, prior to Coach Wilkins getting there, I wasn't having, you know, the best the best experience in Toronto. Uh, it was a learning experience, but I wasn't playing much. And, you know, it was just a lot of uncertainty of which direction my career was going to go. And he came to Toronto going into my free agent year. And I just remember we were going after Katino Mobley. and. Katino was a uh, free agent and we had a dinner and they invited me to come to the dinner because Katino and I grew up together. That's my brother. And I remember after the dinner, Coach Wilkins pulled me to the side and was like, you know, I, I didn't want you to just come to the dinner for Katino. I wanted you, I wanted to meet you because one of the reasons I took this job was to get an op opportunity to coach you. And that meant so much to me because I just thought I was, you know, somebody to, you know, pull Cat in and, after that, Coach Wilkins really invested in me. He really gave me an opportunity. And without Coach Wilkins, I tell you, my life, everything would have been much different. I got an opportunity to play, play through my mistakes. He instilled confidence in me. And we also had a great, a great team of, of veterans, Charles Oakley, Muggsy Bogues, and Mark Jackson was there. And like, all, all, like we had so many, Antonio Davis, Kevin Will, like it was so many people there that helped me and supported me. But Coach Wilkins leading the ship, Without him, I don't know where I would be. And I, I can't say that enough. So it was a pleasure. It was an honor to play with him. And I can even talk to my dad about Coach Wilkins. And he just would let me know more and more. Because I remember Coach Wilkins in the Atlanta Hawk days and the Cleveland Cavalier days when he was coaching. <laughs> not, not with the Se Seattle days. And my dad used to tell me how great of a player he was. So just being able to pick his brain, he would talk to me. It, it was it was a great relationship. It was a great relationship. And I I, I really cherish those memories. You know, it's, it's funny you should say that because we're because you're basically talking about your development not only as a player but as a man. You have two players that that I just love, Ananobi and Siakam. Now, both of those kids were not on the radar nationally, but you developed those kids. Talk about the culture in Toronto and the development of talent. You know, Toronto's done a very good job of the player development aspect. You know, when I, when I was actually working for Toronto. Um, as a player development coach, the game was changing. The game, it wasn't that much of a development. But when I was playing, you know, you had your assistant coaches and they would help you out and they would rebound for you and stuff. But, you know, the, the player development piece really picked up. And I think Toronto has been really, has, those players have been really beneficial from Toronto, the aspect of it and, and how they really invest in those players. So those guys, you know, not really much, as you mentioned, not being on the radar, but getting an opportunity to play in a G League and, you know, getting an opportunity with, with the coaches there working with them. You really see it. And I think also Toronto having that stretch run of great players coming through, like a Kyle Lowry, a DeMar DeRozan, even Kawhi yep. Leonard for that one year. They picked up a lot. They, they see what it takes to be a great player. And I think, I mean, I know you guys know it's not just about the skill. It's about the preparation. It's about the mental aspect. It's about how you get through tough situations. Siakam has gone through some tough times once Kawhi left with the expectations. So now he's really coming into his own. He's seeing, he's reading things differently and OG as well. As long as he can stay healthy, he's bringing the element as well. So those guys are really benefiting from the player development and their opportunities in Toronto. Again, we're talking with Alvin Williams. He does the color commentary. 
for the Toronto Raptors on the television side. Of course, the Cavs in Toronto on Thursday night. It's going to be a huge game. And Alvin, uh, looking at this Toronto team, boy, they're playing some great basketball. Now, I know you lost uh, against Chicago the other night, but certainly uh, that was the second game of two games on the road in a back-to-back. But uh, you've won six of your last eight. What has sparked this surge down the stretch? (laughs) You know, it's it's unbelievable. Like, looking at this team and coming into the season, I don't think anyone expected Toronto to be in this position. Me, personally, I was unsure. I was thinking it could be anywhere from a six to eight seed, and they, they're in that mix. But the consistent type of basketball they're playing and the way the way they figure it out, how they can be an effective team, they're a very unique team, meaning that they're not your traditional team, how they play. They play a lot of isolation basketball, and they can get away with it because they have multiple players that can do multiple things, and they do a good job of playing off of one another. They, they got the, they got height when it comes to like six six eight six nine length. They got very similar players when it comes to the stature, and then you know they all once again they play they play well off of each other. And Nick Nurse, I got to give him credit because he's figured out rotations and lineups that have worked. And, you know, throughout the season, they've been talking about the depth. They don't have the depth there. So, you know what he did? He, he makes sure that top five guys play the bulk of the minutes. Now some players coming down the stretch are taking rest or, you know, getting opportunities to, to relax a bit. And guys are still stepping up. So they're doing a good job of really playing together. But once again, they're very unique because defensively they can guard multiple positions and they can, they can switch everything and they play with such activity. And then offensively, they do a good job of getting their own shots and getting shots from one another because they do have that size advantage when it comes to across the board. They don't have the big stud, a seven-footer in there that can clog up the paint or as big as you guys in Cleveland, but they do have guys that are six eight, six nine, long arms, athletic, quick across the board. So that's been really helpful, and that's what makes them really unique. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your coach, Nurse. The thing I liked about it is uh, he's been able to combine – traditional basketball with analytics you know he did some things that i said every time i see him i have to laugh he ran a aau boxing one <laughs> i've seen him i've seen him do a triangle and two you remember that that yep. was what north that was with all those crimmins and all those guys Valvano used to run against dean smith yep. and drive him crazy and i said look at this guy and then he's got this analytical lineup where they can switch everything and you know and they shoot a lot of threes talk a little bit about coach you know what and me not knowing his history as much knowing he you know he's been a coach you know he's like a lifer coach he's coaching the g league and won championships there as well but he's not afraid to break the trends or go against the grain. It seems like he's he's willing to try anything to get things going. But the thing, honestly, I, I really like about him, he'll do a full court press. He'll do the boxing one. He'll do the zone, <laughs> he'll do all that stuff. Yep. His team, his team, they invite it. They really, they go all out when it's asked to be done. It's not the typical team. We're like, man, I'm not, I've been on teams where like, you know, we're not doing that or whatever. So, <laughs> The amazing part is he he has the team believing. And when you have vets and you have things like that, that's still willing to do anything a coach asked to do. That's old school to me as well. Like, yep. I remember the days where a coach asked you to run through the wall. You're going to run through the wall. And that's it. No questions asked. Right. And it feels like he has the air of the players to do that. So that's amazing to me, especially being a young coach in the NBA. But um, he has the credibility now with the championship. He's coached some great players, but he has the creativity and he has the courage 
not to just do what the rest of the NBA is doing. And I think he, I think he's really he's setting a standard of what coaches can be with the creativity and the, and the aspect of doing things outside the box. Well, those are great points. Again, we're talking with Alvin Williams, color commentator for the Toronto Raptors on their television broadcast. And of course, a legend as far as his playing career up in Toronto. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll hear more from Alvin Williams. So stay with us. This is Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers radio network. Welcome back as we continue our conversation with Alvin Williams on Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers radio network. Great to have you with us, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And of course, our terrific dynamic duo as far as the producing side of the show, Marty Allen, along with Gert McLaughlin. Jim, start things off in segment two. Alvin, let's talk a little bit about the play because I think it's really made our league more competitive especially down the stretch when so many teams have a possibility of making the playoffs. Talk a little bit about that and how you see it. I, I think I agree with you 100%. I, I wasn't quite sure when they first implemented I think it was the year of the bubble. I'm not yep. I wasn't quite sure, but it had me. I remember watching the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, they were, I think they were, they were terrible that year. But they went on a run where they didn't lose any games, and you really got to see players step up and you saw the excitement so I you know I think back as a kid watching the games I'm not really paying attention to the the teams that's not in the playoffs and I'm waiting right to, playoffs to start but now it gives you that element of you know you're playing for something and it gives you the, uh, the NCAA uh, like a feel like one and done or every game matters no matter where you're ranked and it gives you an opportunity to upset and, and be a part of something huge so I love the I love the format I love the excitement that it brings I love I love everything about it. And then you might ask some teams that it may not be fair if you didn't afford to get to the seventh or eighth seed. Now you got to play to stay in the playoffs. But I think once again, it makes players accountable and it makes players, you know, not take any of these things for granted. And, and it gives you once again, it gives you an opportunity to really come together because every team can't, you know, can't be great in February or, or January. You know, sometimes things come together for you later in the season. I'm waiting now to see one of those upsets like back in the day when you had Denver upset Seattle Supersonics when yes. they were the eighth seed or, or <laughs> the Golden State in Dallas back in the day. So one of those yes. things, one of those eighth seeds. And, you know, you look at Brooklyn, they could be that type of team. Or even if you say the Lakers could pull something together and, you know, if Anthony Davis come back and they do develop some type of chemistry, you know what LeBron can do. But that's amazing if a one, if a one seed can play against the Lakers or one seed play against Brooklyn Nets with those great players that both of those teams have at the AFC, that could be one of those type of upsets that could really bring some excitement. And I think that's what the play-in tournament will actually do at, at some point. Alvin, I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, of course, here in Cleveland, uh, rave reviews for Evan Mobley. Uh, most people think, at least here in Cleveland, he should be the rookie of the year. And Toronto's got a great rookie as well in Scotty Barnes. Uh, the Raptors surprised some people when they tabbed Barnes with their first-round selection. What have you seen as far as the growth and development of this young man out of Florida State? Yeah, I mean, even before that, Evan Mobley is a heck of a player. I mean, I got a, it was funny. I got a chance to talk to Antonio Lang, who's a close friend of mine that's on, you know, Cleveland staff. But he was telling me how special he is. But he's special. But, you know, I, I, it's great to see those guys on the same on the court at the same time. But, you know, Scotty Barnes is I'm like you guys, I, I was surprised, really didn't know much about it. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know anything about him because I really didn't follow him. 
and college, but, you know, talking to some friends out in Florida and went to Florida State, they were telling me he's the best player in the draft, like hands down. And what he's been doing, yep. he does everything. First of all, his character and his approach, he loves playing basketball. He's out there, he's happy. And it's great to see when you see a young player that's not taking anything for granted and feels entitled to be in the NBA because that's been told to him his whole youth. But he's really appreciative of being there, being in the NBA. You can tell by his energy every day. You can tell by his smiling. But then from the game standpoint, he does everything. His jump shot is really, I don't even know if he couldn't shoot before, but he's knocking it down. But now he's finding out where he can get shots from. So he's spacing the floor. He's getting his feet set. He's learning the opportunities, learning the offense, but then handling the basketball. He has one of those LeBron James ability where you guys know when LeBron, even at a young age, LeBron had a good feel for the game. He made those passes. He can make those five passes, the bounce pass, both sides, the direct pass or passes over the top. Right. And Scotty Barnes can do that with his height. And then the last thing he can guard. He, I, I watched him guard James Harden. I watched him guard Joel Embiid all in the same game. I watched him guard, you know, Evan Mobley. I watched him guard, you know, Garland. So he can he can take on the challenge as, a, as guarding, you know, the person bringing the ball up the court, full court, or he can, you know, battle down low. So he really can guard multiple positions. So he's, he's a special talent. And the next step is how does he prepare in the offseason? How does he get ready for the next for the next phase of his career. And I think it's coming quickly because he's pretty much mastering this rookie year. You know, it's funny you should say that because I'm going to quote the obvious, you know, like the commercial Mr. Obvious. Uh, <laughs> Scotty Barnes is going to be a superstar. There's no question in my mind. But you know what? That whole class, you know, there's analytic numbers and they're justified that say that in each draft, 1.78 of the players drafted will be a superstar. And this is one of the years where they're going to prove those analytic numbers wrong. Jalen Green can play, Kate Cunningham can play, and Scotty Barnes and, of course, Mobley can play. All of those kids are going to be superstars. And I tell you what, Scotty Barnes is the kind of kid, along with Siakam, that you can build a team around. That's why you guys are playing so well, because this young kid, they have no answer for him. Once again, he's starting to be more aggressive. It was a moment where, and I could be 100% wrong, when Pascal Siakam came back from his injury, mm -hmm. like trying to figure out how they, because they they're very similar. They're very yeah. similar where they can get their own shot and, you know, they have the height and they like to get inside the paint. And Scotty had to really like, all right, Pascal Siakam is getting to a rhythm, getting to a good flow. Let me space out a bit. And he's been doing a good job of spacing out, providing an outlet for Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam been doing the same thing when he's on the floor at the same time. So they're figuring out how to really play well and play off each other together. And, I, and to your point with those young guys, Cunningham and, and Green, I think the one thing that all these guys have, even Mobley, they have great coaching. And yes. you know how, how sensitive it can be if you're a young, great player and you go to a bad situation or a losing yep. situation. And Green is not a great situation, but he has a great coach. And, yep. and so I think all of those things are going to help these young players, even, even uh, Cunningham, but he has, uh, he has my man uh, Casey over there. So they, they have great coaches that's going to hold them accountable and help them develop and continue, continue to get better. So I, I agree with you 100%. Those guys, those guys are going to be superstars in this league. Alvin, to wrap things up, it's going to be a huge game Thursday night. Uh, obviously, as you alluded to, uh, the Cavs and the Raptors right there in that 7-6 battle as far as seedings in the Eastern Conference. But just in an overall sense, 
in your opinion, what makes Toronto a dangerous team as we head into postseason? Across the board, I think it's, it's still an unknown, although I don't think teams are sleeping on them, but I don't know if that respect is there for that team. But, you know, the team, they play with a lot of energy. So when you play against Toronto, you're going to have to bring it. They're never giving up. And they talk about Kyle Lowry, you know, what did he leave behind? And a lot of people are trying to say he helped Fred Van Vliet as a leader, which could be true, but Fred is a natural leader, I think. But he left the stubbornness behind. Kyle Lowry is one of the most stubborn guys you ever meet. And I think this team is the same. You're not going to tell them that they can't win no matter what point in the game they're going to keep fighting. And then you have a coaching staff that, you know, that's once again, we talked about it, that's not afraid to put things together. And he's very well prepared. He's not going to come into a game not prepared and not have the team prepared. So with the uniqueness of their size and their ability to play multiple positions defensively and then do multiple things or similar things offensively, they have a coaching staff that that's going to have them prepared. And then lastly is that energy. You can't come not ready to play against Toronto Raptors because they're always going to bring it. But, you know, that's one thing in the playoffs. You're always going to be ready. That That's that's the excitement about the playoffs, that intensity and that that energy that's there. And that's the difference between regular season and postseason. But that's why the Raptors are scary to me because they have guys that that had that experience, championship experience, and they have young guys willing to play that can really play. And people are coming along at the right time. Perfect. Boy, Alvin, great insight. So looking forward to seeing you on Thursday night in Toronto. I think that's going to be an awesome game and a great atmosphere. Appreciate you spending some time with Jim and I. And uh, thank you, Alvin. Except for Thursday, good luck the rest of the way. You too. You too. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff. Great, great insight. Great insight. Thank you. Alvin Williams from the Toronto Raptors. Again, a Raptor legend on the playing floor and now providing color commentary on the television side. We'll take a time out and we'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Boy, a great big thank you to our guest, Alvin Williams. Great insights about the Toronto Raptors and of course, Alvin Plain under former Cavalier and Raptor head coach Lenny Wilkins. It was great to have him share those recollections as well. Cavs and Raptors with a huge game on Thursday night up in Toronto. Great big thank you, of course, to Jim Jones, my co-host, and Marty Allen and Kurt McLaughlin, the dynamic duo in the studio. I'll be back with you again on Thursday. That big showdown in Toronto when the Cavs take on the Raptors. Tip-off at 7.30. And the Huntington Tip-Off Show will come your way at 7 on the Cavaliers Radio Network. So until then, Tim Elkhorn saying thank you for listening and so long, everybody.